I have this uh, obsession with boiling things down to sort of the most basic. Um, sometimes I, I, I do this too much or I try and boil things down that can't be, um, I'm not talking about cooking, I'm talking about like concepts and stuff. Um, you're like, that's weird. But, uh, and so I've, I've tried to do that this morning, okay? Um, how does all of this come together? Encounter, formation, and mission. How does this work in the life of men and women at Church of the City, right? Like what, what's sort of the, the process for this? And here's what I've boiled it down to, okay? And we're gonna just spend our morning unpacking uh, this statement, okay? If you were to think about sort of the process of these things coming together in our lives individually and then us as a part of this local body of believers, I'd say that the process is this. Make a plan for gospel transformation in community, okay? This is sort of the process for bringing these things together. Make a plan for gospel transformation in community, we're going to unpack that statement because there's a few different parts to it. And there's a couple of different ways that you might hear those parts relating to each other. And so we'll talk about all of that, okay? Let's start with make a plan. Um, this is speaking to individuals, to you and to you and to you. Uh, make a plan. As Matt said in his teaching on formation, our hope is that every disciple of Jesus that calls Church of the City home, really all disciples everywhere, um, our hope is that you would make a plan, a personal plan for your own uh, discipleship. Now, I want to address something, uh, a thought that you may be having. It, it might be happening in the minds of people who have been a part of Church of the City for many years, and sort of a related thought, maybe, in some of you who are newer. And the thought is this, like, hang on, Spencer. I thought that Church of the City was sort of the the missional community church. And so it wasn't so much about me making a plan as much as getting connected to a community that made a plan together. And we absolutely do believe in that and we will talk about it. But the last couple of years taught me uh, two lessons that I want to uh, share with you this morning. The first, I was beginning to grasp uh, just before the pandemic, okay? At the time, we had a couple of missional communities. I've actually come to think that this happens sort of in the life cycle of all missional communities at various points and seasons, okay? But at that point, just before the pandemic, we had a couple of missional communities that uh, I would say the people were pretty committed to, okay? Um, they were in, the leaders were on the ball, and I would say good leaders, and yet the group just wasn't really growing. Like the, the people in those communities weren't, you know, spiritually maturing very much. And, and we were kind of scratching our heads saying, why, why is that? What's happening here? And here's what I've come to believe about moments where that's happening in a, really any spiritual community, okay? And it's this, that if we don't take long-term personal ownership over our discipleship to Jesus, I say long-term because we all know that there are seasons in our lives where crisis happens or, or something's taking place and it feels like life is just kind of happening to us, right? And of course, in those seasons, having, bro having brothers and sisters alongside of us who can carry us is important and valuable, right? But if we don't take long-term ownership over our own discipleship to Jesus, our presence in a missional community, or I would say any group is not going to mean very much. 
it's not gonna lead to maturing into the fullness of Christ. And in fact, if there's too many people like this in a group, a small group, a missional community, whatever it might be, it has the very real possibility, I would say, of killing the group. The way I've said it sometimes is that our own personal uh, pursuit of our, our own discipleship to Jesus, pursuing encounters with God, all of these things, is like the fuel in the tank of a missional community. Because I am hearing you know, I'm, I'm reading the scriptures, I'm praying, I feel like God's speaking things to me or offering words of encouragement to others in the group and so we're all coming and we're pouring into the group and the group can grow. And sadly we see that really especially when, when the opposite is happening, when people aren't pursuing their own life with God and the tank of that missional community just dries up and the group just realizes, what? what's going on here? Nothing's really changing or growing. So if you don't take long-term ownership, your presence in a group is, is not going to mean very much. The second lesson, though, was a lesson of the pandemic. And it was this. There are times where we simply can't gather in community even if we wanted to, right? The, the, the last couple of years have made that pretty clear. And we hope, Lord willing, that there is not another global pandemic in our lifetimes. And yet, uh, it may not be sort of a global event, but there are circumstances in individuals' lives all the time. Right, that sort of hinder our ability to connect with communities that we've been invested in, right? Illness, uh, uh, responsibilities at work that maybe send us away for a season, whatever it might be. And if our spiritual lives are solely dependent on our presence in a group, as good as that is, hear me, as good as that is, and we're going to talk about the importance of that, but if our spiritual lives are solely dependent on those people, our faith will never be crisis-proof, right? We'll simply be coasting along, uh, trying to avoid sort of the next crisis that separates us from that community and causes our faith to begin to crumble. And so, we absolutely have not wavered as Church of the City in our belief in the essential nature of community. However, we must first agree that there is a need for personal ownership and initiative in our spiritual lives. And I hope if you've been listening over the last few weeks, you've heard that come out in what Matt has shared. Our own personal pursuits of encounter with God, of being formed in Christ's likeness, of mission in unique places where we live, work, learn, and play. So you need to make a plan. But then the natural question arises, okay, what am I planning for? This statement that we made, make a plan for gospel transformation in community. So you're making a plan for gospel transformation, for gospel transformation. You know, as Matt uh, said a, a couple of weeks ago, he read Matthew 4.19, the calling of some of Jesus' disciples, when Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. We know that those disciples that day could not have anticipated what they were being invited into. In fact, if they did, they might have said, yeah, no thanks. Um, but pretty clear in that invitation, I would argue, is that there's sort of transformation, uh, you know, included in it, right? Follow me and I'm going to do something to you. You're going to be changed by your time with me. I'm going to make you into fishers of men. It was an invitation into transformation. And so, friends, as we think about this statement, make a plan for gospel transformation, you think, where do I start with that? Well, Matt talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Begin to make a simple plan for the rhythms of your life, often called 
by Christians for centuries a rule of life. And that sounds, you know, if you've, you know, been exposed at all to sort of monastic communities or maybe you've explored other spirituality, something like a rule of life can sound very, uh, you know, mystical or something. Um, but as Matt said, it's, it's actually quite the opposite. It's saying, okay, what do I want to prioritize each day? What do I want to prioritize each week, each month, and each year, right? And, and if you think, I don't even know sort of what categories to begin with, I would suggest you begin with encounter, formation, and mission, right? Today, how do I want to encounter God? How do I want to at least pursue that? How do I want to be formed in Christ's likeness, right? Like, how am I going to grow in my understanding of the gospel, of the teachings of Jesus? Where am I being sent on mission in any given week? It's really not that complicated. And let me say this. I, I think Matt said this, but just in case he didn't, or at least to reiterate, a rule of life, friends, should be a living document, okay? What do I mean by this? It's not something that you craft, uh, you know, in a tablet of stone and then sort of frame on your wall. This is my rule of life to people who visit for, uh, for dinner and such. Um, a rule of life is something that changes, uh, you know, month by month, sometimes even more frequently, right? Because number one, as Matt said, we have this tendency to over... Uh, um, sort of exaggerate our, our own um, potential. When I started doing a rule of life, I said, I'm going to memorize, you know, uh, th- this much of scripture every week, and I'm going to um, do the Bible in a year, but do it in probably six months, you know, because I'm awesome, and uh, this and that. And uh, then the next month, if you saw, it was about uh, a third of what I said I was going to do in the first month, because I was a lot more realistic. Um, so our rule of life changes A, as we get more realistic, but B, as our lives change. And hopefully it it changes as we are maturing in Christ, right? And all of us, as Matt said, right, all of a sudden, whereas five minutes of prayer a day was significant, now we say, hang on, I want to do more than that. You know, I realize how important this is to the start of my day or the end of my day. So I'm going to do 10 minutes. I'm going to do 15 minutes, whatever. Our Our rules of life change and grow as we do. And lastly, this last part of this phrase that we're talking about, make a plan for gospel transformation in community. Your plan, your rule of life, whatever you want to call it, I believe should include other disciples. How you are going to grow alongside fellow followers of Jesus. You may have heard this statement that I made at the start in a different way. You may have thought I was saying, you know, together with a community of people, make a plan for gospel transformation. And we actually believe that that's true, and we're going to talk about that in a second. But the other way of understanding it is, hey, as individuals, we each need to make a plan, and it should, it better include a community of people around you. Let's talk about that first, okay? Make a plan for gospel transformation that includes fellow disciples. Obviously, if you are married, or you have kids, or you live with your parents, this is sort of the first community to think about, right? How are we going to grow alongside of each other, mature into Christ-likeness together? Um, let me give you an example in our, in our family. Um, we, Sam and I, have prioritized for our family a weekly Sabbath. When you're in ministry, sometimes it's easy to just sort of spread ministry throughout every single day of every week, uh, and to never rest. And that's both just not good physically, but it also allows me to start believing the truth that, you know, or the lie, excuse me, that uh, I am 
necessary. You know, I, I need to be working every day or what's God gonna do without me? Um, and so it's really important for my own soul to say, oh no, God's, God's got this uh, well in hand. And so every week we take 24 hours to rest. And we uh, start that on Friday evenings with a prayer with our kids. And it goes like this. We pray it as a family. Dear God, show us how to rest today and give us your joy as we play and give us more love for Jesus, your son, before our day of rest is done. We pray that every week together as a family because we want to be formed by this rest. God rested at the end of creation so we can rest. Um, and our kids, actually, I had to, every once in a blue moon, yesterday uh, we had a, a training with missional community leaders here. And Sam said, when I left, the kids were like, wait, dad's going to work? Today's Sabbath. And, and she had to like sort of uh, defend me to the kids because they were like, we thought this was important to you guys. And now dad's, now dad's at work. <laughs> Um, so, you know, an important teaching moment that these things can't rule us, and yet this is a priority for us as a family, and I love that the boys noticed and said, hang on a second, uh, this isn't right. But this goes beyond uh, biological families, friends. Of course it does. Avery's story last week was a beautiful testament to this. She talked about her life in a missional community alongside fellow uh, brothers and sisters in Christ with whom she has a rich, uh, a rich, intimate relationships with that group of people. And then within that missional community is a DNA, a small group of women who confess sin to each other, who pray together, who study God's word. But Avery also talked about her plan for gospel transformation, including uh, her presence in a public school and how uh, in order to uh, do that more intentionally, she every once in a while gathers with educators here at Church of the City to think about how to be a, a gospel presence in schools. Our plan for gospel transformation better include fellow disciples. Avery's story was a great example of this. She's taking ownership, but she knows that she needs people around her to help in that. But secondly, the, 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 the other way you could have heard this statement, right? Make a plan for gospel transformation in community. Maybe you heard that as, hey, communities of disciples need to gather together and make a plan for gospel transformation. This is a yes, both and. We believe in that sense as well. But you might be asking yourself, particularly if you've been in a missional community before, um, it's challenging enough to kind of come together and align on rhythms in any sort of given season, let alone if everybody already has this plan going for how they want to grow. Like, how do you all sort of synthesize that when everybody comes to the table with a plan? And it's really not as difficult as it sounds, friends. Um, here's why, a couple of reasons. Number one, we're all aiming at the same target, right? We're all trying to grow into disciples who are making disciples, into Christ-likeness. It would be one thing if, you know, you were, it was like a careers class in high school, or one person's like, I want to be a firefighter, and somebody else is like, you know, I want to be a marine biologist. It's like, okay, how are we going to journey together on that path? That would be difficult. But we are going on the same path, right? We are trying to grow into disciples who are making disciples. Seeing gospel transformation, we're aiming at the same target. And yes, the practices, the disciplines that can contribute to that are varied, but they're not really that varied, right? Can we acknowledge that, you know, the things that 
followers of Jesus. Thankfully, we have thousands of years to show us the things that actually work in shaping us into Christ-likeness. Um, and yes, we can tweak those and, and change them for a modern setting. You know, we can get God's word on our phones or listen to it on a commute. Those things are incredible, but it's still ingesting God's word, right? And so it's actually, I don't think, very hard to sit down with a community of disciples who are each prioritizing, taking ownership over their own spiritual growth, making plans for that, and saying, hey, how can we in a given week or in a given month come together at points and encourage one another in this? Because this doesn't mean that you all of a sudden have to align everyone's plan perfectly together. Oh, well, John's prioritizing prayer, so I guess I have to prioritize prayer now, even though I don't want to. Um, you know, oh, Jane's really wanting to read scripture. I, I don't like reading scripture, so I guess now I have to do that. No, first of all, it starts with partnership and accountability, right? If John says, hey, I see the importance of prayer in my life, then I can ask and say, how's that going? What's God speaking to you through prayer? Uh, you know, have you done your, how's the five minutes going? Oh, maybe it needs to be four minutes, right? Whatever, it starts with partnership. But yes, we can say in any given week, how can we come together? And this is what missional communities do. How can we come together uh, to do the, some of these rhythms together as a group? Um, and that doesn't have to be as complicated as it may sound. But the last thing, the last way that we can understand this statement I made, make a plan for gospel transformation in community. Gospel transformation certainly is a reality that we hope and pray is happening in here as disciples, but it's also a reality that we hope is happening out there. Gospel transformation. Sam said, we desire to see our communities look more like heaven so that every person has a relationship with Jesus. Gospel transformation means personal growth, but it also means the renewal of our city. Maturing into Christ's likeness, but making Guelph look a little bit more like heaven. And here's the thing, friends, we could talk till we're blue in the face about Guelph looking more like heaven, but if we're not ready to sort of see that happen in us, talking about it out there won't matter. I want to put a little diagram up on the screen. Gospel transformation can't happen through us in our city if it's not happening in us. So on the left, and this is small print, it says, people looking more like Jesus, which is going to lead to Guelph looking more like heaven. And how will we know if Guelph is looking more like heaven? If more people are having relationships with Jesus, right? And so this becomes a cycle. We're never gonna see Guelph transformed to look like heaven if we're not being transformed daily by encounters with our Father, by being formed in Christ's likeness so that we can do what he did, right? Being on mission. But if those things are happening, then in Guelph as it is in heaven, that'll be happening too. More people encountering Jesus, having a relationship with him, being transformed in his likeness, and then going into unique places where they live, work, learn, and play. And all of a sudden, the city is being transformed. And let me just say, we don't have this vision for Guelph only. We want to see it happen everywhere. We want to see it happen in Brampton. If you are newer to Church of the City, uh, we, a number of years ago, sent out uh, a couple, Jeremiah and Catherine Thomas, to plant Church of the City Brampton, because we want to see Brampton transformed by the gospel, 
Uh, we want to see Thunder Bay transformed. That's why we have a, a partnership with a youth drop-in center there with indigenous youth. Because we want to see Thunder Bay looking more like heaven. We want to see Lebanon looking more like heaven. We have a partnership with this incredible couple that are in Lebanon, leading, uh, uh, training up church leaders, leading incredible ministries to refugees. We want to see it happening in Japan. We got to hear from Adam and his uh, wife Sabrina over the summer. We want to see it happen in North Africa. A uh, dear friend, Elijah, some of you will know that uh, a few short weeks ago landed uh, in the place where he'll be ministering for years to come. Elijah, a 20-something guy, <laughs> left uh, home, left friends, family, to go to this remote part of North Africa because he's been so transformed by the gospel that he can't help himself. He needs to go. I have a picture now when Elijah was here. Um, we went for a walk together as a family. Uh, our family and Elijah just, you know, it was kind of a goodbye because we knew we weren't going to see him again. And this was just clearly God. Um, our, my, a neighbor of ours loves just taking photos, like of old houses in our neighborhood and this and that. Um, and uh, he has a gallery up right now. But uh, he was walking by and he said, hey, I've been trying to get a picture of your family. Can I take one? And Elijah was there and we were like, get in here, Elijah. And so now I have that picture up on my office wall. Um, and as I was preparing for this morning, it was a reminder of this, that Elijah has been transformed by the gospel and now he's going to see that transformation happen on the other side of the world. If transformation is happening in here, then it'll start to happen out there as well, friends. So where do you start? Like, how do you get into this process? Make a plan for gospel transformation in community. Well, if you've never made a plan, make one. How do you want to encounter God in any given week? Make a plan. Start simple. And then think about how or who am I going to share this with? Who can help me in this? If you want to talk to me about joining a missional community, I would love that. I would love nothing more. But here's the reality and here's where I want to end, friends. We make these plans, absolutely. But it's, it's God that must do the work. When Jesus said to those disciples, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men, it wasn't, I'm going to teach you to change yourselves. It was, I'm going to do something in you. And Paul wrote to this uh, community of believers. Music team, you can start coming up. We're going to have communion here in a moment. Paul wrote to this new community of, of followers of Jesus. Um, this is from the book of Philippians. He says to them, Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That sounds like it lines up pretty well with what we were talking about this morning, right? Making a plan for gospel transformation in community. But then here's what he says. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So we make these plans, friends, and I hope that you will, hope that you have, and that you will continue to work on it. Well, then God's got to do something. Uh, but I believe that he will. I believe that he will.